0: I tell you what, if that song doesn't get you in the heart a little bit, you better check yourself. (laughs) This morning, we're going to be looking at a story of Jesus, a very familiar story. Probably one of the most beloved of all the stories that Jesus told. A story of two boys. One boy, he was the younger of the two, he was ready to leave home. We don't know why, we can only speculate just a story. (laughs) But if it were true to life, like most, maybe he was ready to get out from underneath his dad's roof. Maybe he was tired of the rules. Maybe he was tired of curfew. Maybe he was tired of being told what to do and what not to do and when to go to bed and when to get up. (laughs) He wanted freedom, but he had a problem like many of us when we first want to leave home. No money? You can't get very far without money. So let's see his plan. In Luke 15, I'm going to begin reading verse 11. He said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Now let's stop there just a moment. You see, when Jesus was telling this story, I'm sure right about there, those who were hearing this story for the very first time gasped. You're kidding me. This kid? He's asking his, his father for his inheritance now? That's horrible. That is so rude. That is so demeaning. That is so disrespectful. Because in essence, what he's saying is, I wish you were dead. Because if you were dead, then I could get what I think's mine my inheritance dad your your money your money means more to me than you do wow if the father if he honored this request by the way it would be very costly to him you see traditionally if you had two children two sons then the way it was divided was your older son would get the lion's share. He would get two-thirds. And then the younger son would get the other third. And so in essence, what this young man is asking for, Dad, I want you to give me a third of your portfolio right now. That'd be a pretty significant financial loss, wouldn't it? A third of everything you have? But it didn't just stop with that financial loss. There would also be a certain emotional loss tied into this because, again, in the ancient world, man, for a man, so much of who he was, so much of his identity was wrapped up in his land and in his possessions. It was even a part of the status that he carried with the community. And suddenly he's about to have a third less than what he had before. Dad, Dad, I want you to tear your life apart for me. That's what I want. I want you to tear your life apart for me so that I can go do what I want to do where I want to do it. And I don't have to stay here with you anymore. That's what I want, Dad. Now, now most dads, most dads would probably say, good luck to you. You think you're ready for this big bad world? You go right ahead. You go see what this world has to offer. But you're not leaving with a penny of mine. Nope. Not going to happen. But this father, he gave a very unexpected answer, didn't he? says he divided his property between them. Wow. See, this dad, you know the story, by the way. I know you know who he represents. He represents God the Father. And you see... What does it tell us about God the Father? It tells us He loves us so much He's not willing to even stand in the way of our free will. That He loves us so much He's not going to make us do what He wants us to do. Could God control us? Absolutely. He is all-powerful. Could God keep us at home if He wanted us to stay home? There's no doubt but He loves us too much for that. It breaks His heart. He doesn't want to see us disobey. He doesn't want to see us walk away. But He'll let us. He'll let us if that's what we choose to do. He's not going to stand in the way. This Son, son, His Father has sacrificed so much for Him. But as soon as he has cash in hand, he's out the door. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey to a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Why? Why would a son, why would a daughter? why would anyone who's, whose parent has sacrificed so much for them has shown them how much they love them? Why? Why would you take the money and go steal? It's because this young, this young man, he suffered from a problem many of us suffer with from time to time. Deep down, he felt like he knew what was best. Deep down, he felt like he knew what was best for his life in that moment, and nobody else could tell him any differently. And sometimes we struggle with the same thing. Sometimes we struggle with a mentality that says, I'm going to do what I want to do, I'm going to live how I want to live. This is my life. I've got to be me. And you can't tell me to to do any different. Nobody knows me better than I know me. That's a lie, by the way. God knows you better than you know yourself. Listen to how the psalmist would describe it in Psalm 139, beginning in verse 1. "'O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways.'" Listen to this, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it all together. Even before I say it, you know. You know me. You know me better than I know myself. God created you. God gave you life. God knows your emotions. God knows your feelings. God knows your plans. He knows your purpose. He knows you better than you know yourself. But We have a very hard time accepting that truth. We think no one, no one knows me like God knows me. So then there's this allure of a far country. Far country's hard to resist. The far country is, is very appealing to us. The far country is, man, it's a place that you can go and you can have an amazing time outside of Christ and you can really experience everything that this life has to offer, man. That far country is out there. But be warned, Be warned before you go to that far country that first of all, once you go there, it's really hard to leave. You see, there's a lot of people in this life, there have been a lot of children of God throughout life, they just want to experience what the world is experiencing. They just want to try it, just want to dabble their their toe in it a little bit in the world. And so they begin to experiment with various sins and inevitably inevitably they end up staying in that far country much longer than they ever intended because you see we just sometimes we we can't begin to understand how powerful the allurement of satan really is how powerful temptation is and how deeply we can find ourselves entrenched in it sometimes looking up and going I don't know how I got to this point in my life. I remember being back over here and I don't really remember how I got over here. I don't really remember how I got so far removed from God. Man, I've been here a lot longer than I ever intended to be here. It'll also bankrupt you. Yeah, it may take your money. It may bankrupt you, your money. That, that's possible but it may also bankrupt you of your your marriage it may bankrupt your family it may bankrupt your self-respect it could bankrupt your career it could bankrupt these and so many other things above all it could take your soul from you you could lose your soul as a result of being and staying lost in this far country everyone pays I don't want you to think for one moment that you can venture off into this far country and there will be no consequences. There will be no payment received. There will be. There always is. Whether in this life or more tragically, in the next. There will always be payment rendered for time spent in that far country. When you're in that far country, it's a it's a very lonely place to be, especially if you find yourself in need. And that's where this young man found himself, isn't it? When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into in his fields to feed the pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. No one gave him anything. This far country outside of Christ. It's a terrible place to be. It's a place where you're lost. It's a place where there there is no hope. Dwight was mentioning hope a minute ago. There's no hope in the far country. There's hope in Christ. When you find yourself, though, without hope, when you find yourself lost in this far country, Jesus is about to tell us through this story exactly what we need to do to come back to where the Father is. To to find our way back home. And the first thing that we're going to see this morning that we need to do is we need to recognize that being with God is so much better than being without God. Luke 15, 17 says, but when He came to Himself, He said, how many of my Father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. You see, he had to hit rock bottom. He had to hit rock bottom before he finally began to look up. Before he finally looked up and realized, you know what? Things aren't that bad at my dad's house. As horrible as I thought it was, as tired as I was of all the rules and of all the curfews and all the standards and all the chores, as tired as I was of all that, there's still life there. There's still someone who loves me there. There's still someone who provide for me there. There's still someone who will protect me there. You see, as appealing as that far country may be, that far country is the land of death. Life, an abundant life, is only found in Christ Jesus in the home of the Father. Secondly, we see the need to take personal responsibility for being lost. Beginning of verse 18, it says, I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Do you notice what the boy is not planning on saying? He's not planning on saying, Dad, sorry about all this, but you know me. (laughs) You know boys will be boys. And uh, you know, uh, I just had to—I just had to sow a few of my wild oats. And uh, you know, you know, it's just life. Everybody lives life. Uh, Dad, you know, if uh, let's face it, if you hadn't given me the inheritance, I wouldn't have had it to waste. <laughs> so really, you're just as much to blame here as I am. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't try to play the blame game where he passes the buck off to somebody else for his own sinfulness. He acknowledges it. This is mine. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. He's practicing what he's going to say to his father. He's acknowledging. I've messed up. And I've messed up big. We have to be able to own our own sin. We can't pass the buck we can't blame it on a life circumstance. Can't blame it on another person. Listen, church, we, we need to stop even saying the devil made me do it because he didn't make you do anything. He may have put a great temptation in front of you. You chose to do it, okay? We can't blame anyone else. We have to shoulder that responsibility ourselves. And until we do, we'll probably stay lost in that far country because it takes a very humble heart to be able to acknowledge. My bad. I've messed up. I've sinned before heaven and earth. And begin to work our way back home. That's the third part, by the way. We've got to come home. He arose and He came to His Father. You know, before this particular story, Jesus told two other parables. He told the story of the lost coin and the lost sheep. The whole assurance of those stories is to remind us that God is searching for those who are lost. And it's a wonderful, wonderful assurance. He wants to be home with us. He wants us to come home to Him. But what we see in this story, what separates this story from the other two, is the realization that we play a part in this too. There's got to come a point in our own lives where we come to our senses, the light bulb goes off over our head, and we repent. And we turn away from that far country And we turn back toward God. And we begin to go back toward our Heavenly Father. As I said before, God does not force us to stay home. God also does not force us to come home. That's choice. He's not going to go out to whatever the pig pen of of your own particular design may be this morning. He's not going to go pluck you up out of your pig pen and bring you back home. He's waiting for you He's waiting for you, willingly waiting for you to come to your senses in that pig pen and to begin your journey coming back toward Him. Maybe you've been in the far country a lot longer than you intended to be. Like I said, that's very common. That happens to many of us. Maybe you you find yourself kind of struggling with the idea that, can I really just get up and come back home? Can I really just stop and go back to God and, and be right with God? Or, or is there something that I need to do to make, to make it right? You see, that's what the son was struggling with. That's why in verse 19 we read a moment ago that he was prepared to say to his dad, What? Dad, I want to be like one of your hired servants. I know I'm not like your son anymore. I, I can acknowledge there's something I need to do before I can come back to you. I, have, I wrestle with those feelings too. I wrestle with those feelings sometimes of feeling like, Well, what do I need to do before I can come back to God? And even though I wrestle with those feelings, I know the answer. And the answer is nothing. There's nothing that I need to do before I come back to God. I just need to make up my mind to come back to God. And how do I know that? Let's look at the response of the Father. Verse 20, the latter part of verse 20. While He was still a long way off, His Father saw Him and felt compassion and ran and embraced Him and kissed Him you ever thought about this father? How long he'd been waiting. How long he'd been watching. How long he'd been hoping that, that one of these days, one of these days before the sun went down, he'd look out over the, the pasture there and he'd see it. He'd, he'd see a silhouette coming home. How, how often he had thought of that. How often he had dreamed of that. How often that he had hoped, maybe maybe today, maybe today will be the day my, my son finally returns. And then that day comes. And what happens? He sees him. And he's filled with what? He's filled with anger. He's filled with resentment. No, he's filled with compassion. And he does what? he. And still, and he waits for that young man to make his way to where he is so he can really tell him how to and why not. And I told you so. He slowly takes his time, leisurely dragging his feet toward his oncoming son. No! He runs, (laughs) he runs to meet his son. He runs to meet him and he embraces him and he kisses him and he is welcoming him home. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Notice the dad interrupts. He doesn't get to finish the rest of what he's practiced. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on, and put a ring in his hand, shoes on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son was dead, and he's alive again, was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is who our Heavenly Father is. Do you get that, church? Do you understand this is who our Father is? It doesn't matter how far you've been or how long you've been in that far country. It doesn't matter how big of a mess you've made with your life. He is waiting for you. Waiting and hoping to see you returning so that He, because of your humble heart, he can restore you back into his family because you are his son, you are his daughter, and you always will be. Man. A beautiful story. But it's not the end, is it? The spotlight of the story now changes. And we go from this this younger son to the product, the 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 older son you know the one who stayed home the the one who did what his dad asked him to do the one who did his chores the one who obeyed his dad you know you know the guy the guy that in the community as people would have talked about this family during this time in which this younger boy was gone they would have probably said i tell you what they sure are blessed that that older son of theirs he's still home because it's obvious he's the good one what a surprising twist in this story takes. You know the twist. You know how all of a sudden we, we are faced with this reality that a, a person can be just as lost and they've never left the house as the person who's been away from the house for a very, very long time. You see, this older son, He didn't stay with the father because of the relationship he had with his father. Mm -mm. He stayed with his father because just like his younger brother, he was more interested in what belonged to his father. He was more interested in the stuff his father had. He was more interested in, in the inheritance that would one day be his. It's just he chose a different way to go about getting it. He chose what some would deem obedience while his younger brother chose what some would deem rebellion. This greed, and that's what it really was, by the way, this greed for his father's inheritance, that's what caused him to lose his cool when he came up and he saw this this big welcome home party taking place for that, that younger brother of his who came home broke. Let's read it together. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command. Yet you've never even given a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who, who was devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. Are you like the old brother? You may not be like the younger brother. You may not be off in a far country today. But could you be like the older brother? Sitting in a pew, watching online. Living a good life, living a moral life. But living a self-righteous life. It's easy, I think, to know when you're in the far country, right? You look at your life and you know that you're far from God, that you're not living the way that He wants you to live. You're doing things you know you shouldn't be doing or you're not doing things that you know He would want you to do. And and you just know. You just know that you're not where you need to be. You know you're in that far country and maybe today, maybe today you find yourself kind of convicted of that. That conviction's a good thing. I hope that conviction will compel you to come home to God. That's easy to see. But identifying whether or not We're like that older brother who was just as lost as his younger brother was at one point. That can be a little more problematic for us. So what are some characteristics that this older brother would have? Well, the first thing, we're going to be somebody who tends to be angry. About what? About a lot. (laughs) You name it, we're angry. It may especially show itself whenever you see someone that you don't believe is living exactly the way Jesus would want them to live. But their life seems to be going so well. And that just bothers you. Like it just irritates you that that everything in their life appears on the surface to be going so great. When you know they're living a very openly sinful life and it just bothers you, it annoys you, it irritates you, it angers you. Or maybe all that you do for God is... Just out of duty. I go to church. I read my Bible. I volunteer to serve in a ministry. But there's no joy. Yes, you do the things you're supposed to do, but you don't do them with a generous spirit. You do them begrudgingly. You do them because you have to. You do it because I'm a slave of God, so i got to do what He tells me to do. You look miserable even today. You take great pride in your morality you're, you're a good person. You're a very moral person. And you've convinced yourself that the blessings of God in this life and in the life to come, God owes you because of how good you live your life, because of how moral you are, because of how obedient you are. You deserve what He's going to bless you with. You take great pride in that. You're quick to point out the, the failures in other people you're quick to point out how, how unworthy other people are. And Did you see what so-and-so did? Have you heard how so-and-so is living? It's very easy to point out the faults and the failures of other people, isn't it? Sometimes that, that comes far too quickly for us. Dad! He spent all your money on prostitutes and you're going to celebrate him. Mm. You just don't have the heart of God. And what I I mean by that is you don't... Frankly, you don't care about lost sinners. You don't care about searching for them. And, And nor do you rejoice when a lost sinner is found. You're just kind of here. You just kind of simmer. Simmer almost in a frustration when you begin to accept how much God really does love those who are outside of Christ. How much He still loves those who are, who are not yet a part of the church. It just bothers you a little bit to think about how much God loves them because you'd much rather talk about the day where God will judge them. Are you? Are you more like the older brother? Or are you off in that far country? Notice what the father would say. He said to him, son, you're always with me. All that's mine is yours. It's fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. small quick thing to notice about the story before I close in the story we know the younger brother came home we don't know what the older brother did we don't know if he listened to the advice and the will of his father we don't know if he repented of his own self-righteousness we don't know and maybe that's kind of open ended so we'll do a little bit of self-examination And figure out what we will do with it. You see, coming home is, man, so important. It's essential. Maybe, maybe you're like that older brother. And maybe you can start to see that you have followed God for all the wrong reasons. You've been following Him for what He'll give you in return instead of following Him for what He's already given you. He's already made you His son. He's already made you His daughter. He, he gave the life of His only begotten. But, but you're following Him in hopes He's going to bless your life physically on this earth. And you're, you're following Him in, in hopes that He'll simply keep you from hell instead of just wanting to have that right relationship with your Heavenly Father, filled with gratitude because of what He's already done for you. Not, underline that, not because of what you hope He will do for you. Because that's the mindset of the older brother. So maybe you have that mindset. Maybe that's something that you need to make right today. Or maybe you find yourself off in that far country and you have indeed been there a lot longer than you ever intended. And maybe a part of what's kept you so far removed from God for so long, you've just been trying to figure out what you need to do, what can you do to finally make everything right before you come back to God. Just come back to God. Just just come, make up your mind just like that prodigal son did, come to your senses and say, you know what? It is so much better at home with the Lord than out here in this far country. This far country is ultimately going to be my death. But at home with the Father, that, that's where there's life. If we can help you come home today, won't you come as we stand and sing